I have a story I have to tell you. Um, right. I went, I had a girlfriend a long time ago and I went to it. I went to a Dave Matthews band concert at the Gorge. And it just, this is the perfect Dave Matthews band concert. A DB. Story. A DB, a DBC, DB concert. I went to the Gorge. Uh, it was kind of early in the relationship with this this girl and her like best friend was a guy who was like several years younger than us. And he was like, and I went with them and it was so me and her and him and we were going and he was like Dave Matthews band was his favorite fucking band in the world. You know what? And I wonder if it still is. I bet it still is. And um and i think he was probably like he was he you know he had a crush on the girl and and i was the new boyfriend but he also was several years younger than me and we were so he was a little intimidated by me but i was being nice or whatever but uh like we got to the gorge and don't do drugs everyone but i was like well i'm gonna i'm gonna light up a duber you know we're going into the gorge smoke some boats watch a concert we're gonna camp here like whatever i'm gonna go do this thing and like you know i just like very anti-peer pressure so just like i try to like you know offer a thing but also just like not offer because like, i just yeah i'm not trying to pressure people to do anything everyone's making better decisions than i am but i asked him if he'd wanted any and his response was i don't remember the exact wording but he was like no i gotta stay sharp for dave <laughs> i think it was i think it was the sentence i've gotta stay sharp for dave and like if that doesn't tell you about someone whose favorite band is dave matthews band like that that i don't know what does it's just the best just like i got no i gotta stay sharp for dave Man. like oh yeah dave is gonna be bummed if you were kind of stoned at his concert for his seven minute fiddle solo like <laughs> I, I like dave matthews man but i've seen him like three times and man they will just jam out on a fiddle for a long time Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast. I think, don't say it's not 190. Don't say it's not 190. I think it's 190. I think, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. It's got to be 190 plus like seven year end podcasts and uh, probably a couple others, but yeah. Yeah. Easy yeah. 190. Yeah. Oh, it's 190. I mean, it's the official numbering of 190. I just looked at my podcast app, which you can find uh, the perfectly accessible podcast in. You can write a review or leave a comment or, uh, you know, something you can do to help Focus. us out. Hey, Django. Hey, Jeff. You're wearing um, purple today. I'm wearing oh, some. sorry. This is terrible radio to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah, you're right. Your shirt. I love the color of the wall that you uh, record in. Oh, see, I was trying to make you never mention it again by <laughs> telling you it was terrible radio, but I see that that's failed. It's episode 190. We're failures. Where every Tuesday, we get a whole <laughs> bunch of comic books from somewhere on a day of the week, and we bring them to our comic shop, and we count them, file them, sort them. Yeah, it used to be a we thing. Now it's kind of like a I and Django alternate being in that room and handling things. COVID <laughs> more, does a lot uh, of interesting things. You know, like we're daisy chaining the the whole system. It's like the Model T of comic books. Yeah. Um, you know, I just do the tires every week. <laughs> and then we come back to the podcast to talk about uh, the comic. We've got engaged in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comic books that we read that week that came in on some day or the comic shop that we don't get to hang out in, or the comings and goings of our lives. Which hey. don't include hanging out in the comic shop. They sure don't. Do you remember when like listeners of this show got to hang out with us in the comic shop? I certainly do. Those were the days. 
I'm going to close my door really quickly because I would not ever want Sam to have to hear me doing this. Those were the days. We've got like a, a sort of slurry of books to talk about here, a blood slurry if we're going to do mm-hmm. a throwback. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a really good week of comics. Are you making a goof em up? Uh, I was thinking like if, if you had been on a desert island and really missed comics, it was a really big, interesting, fun week of comics. And what he means by that is that we have tiny stacks for not that many books. And, they were you fine. know, they were fine. Yeah, you love comics. What was great this week is that I read all of Batman The Long Halloween in one sitting. Mm-hmm. And remember that that, that is, yeah, one of the best Batman stories ever written, ever told, top of the line, love it, good God, didn't realize how much I loved that book. So we're here to just talk about old comics that we reread this week. No, that's not yeah. true. We're going to talk about Batman Annual number 14 by Andy Helfer and Chris Sprouse. <laughs> I'm g- wow, Chris <laughs> Sprouse. He's a modern. He, he's still doing so. Yeah. No, but for true, though, we are going to talk about a couple of books that came out this week uh, on this year podcast. And I, when I say a couple, I mean mostly just a couple. We're going to talk about Maestro number one, Batman 97, Nightwing 73, I like Night Wang. Yeah, he does. It's he a past makes, tense. He makes us all call him that at the shop. It's sucky. Uh, we're going to talk about Decorum 3 and 4. We're going to talk about Dead Day number 2. We're going to talk a little bit about Cardinal Dagon. Do you know what that is? No, we didn't either. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. We're going to talk about Wonder Woman, Dead Earth number four, and Wolverine number four. We're going to also, we've sent a call out to the Facebook community to see if we can get some questions for those. And we're also going to answer an email from one of the the best thoughts we've ever had. And and a uh, text from your buddy and mine, Dino Cipino. Oh my God, I cannot wait to hear from Dino Cipino. That man's not on Facebook, so you got to text him if you want him to ask you a question. But you got him to? Oh yeah. Oh, that's so good. So Django... This is going to be a real interesting one because it is it, it really was a pretty surreal week of comics. Last week was a kind yeah. of small week, but this week felt tiny in a weird way. Yeah, next week is huge. Is it? Yeah, it's it's a well, I guess That's I guess exciting. it's got a it's got a huge Oh, release. Batman. I don't think it's that actually that many books coming out. Three Jokers. That's actually very very exciting. Yeah, but, this I I picked up a bunch of books that I wouldn't have read on a big week. That's for I, sure. I did, I did too. I was trying to impress you by reading Cardinal Day again. And then I realized I, I took the only one and you didn't get to read it then. <laughs> um, I, I don't know about you, but I read Maestro number one by Peter David, German Peralta, Dale Keown. What did you think of it, buddy? I liked it. So this is interesting because this is Maestro written by Peter David, like he just said. And, and Peter David wrote the original Future Imperfect run, which I think is actually maybe just two prestige issues or something like that, or maybe just two yeah. normal issues. Yeah. Was that his first appearance? Yes, okay. I believe so. I think it was the. I am not a Hulk guy. Yeah. The thing that we need to do is talk about Immortal Hulk, and I'm not caught up, and you're not caught up, and, and we're letting Andrew Carlson thoughts down by having not talked about it. But. Um, I'll get to it. I'm going to, I'm going to, in the same way that I'm, I did with Batman along Halloween, I'm going to immortal Hulk out for, uh, for a while. You're just going to like open your chest up and push them in there and then close it up and then you'll internalize them. Dude, I just looked at next week's books and it is not a huge week 
no. next week either. Our image invoice is like one and a half pages. It's usually like six pages. Wow. But there is a new X-Men, X-Men, X-Men book. So that, that is good. But wow, uh, we're going to have to figure out something crazy to do next week as well. Maybe we'll have a birthday party for somebody on the, on the air. But um, <laughs> Maestro, so, so what this series is, is an attempt to bridge the, gra- the gap between modern day Hulk and how he becomes this character maestro, which is this like well-spoken, horribly malicious um, dictator type in the far future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know too much about him outside of like just really liking when he comes up in stories, which happens occasionally. So I was pretty pumped to get some idea of an origin for him. And this was a really depressing comic. Yeah, it was, it kind of threw me for a loop because like I said, I'm not really a Hulk guy. I don't know how he would have ended up in this situation, but he's basically in a machine tied up and and having a fantasy that's sort of glitching out a little bit. And the fantasy is, you know, of course he's, he's happy. He's with Betty. He's got kids. He's hanging out with Captain America and Wolverine and kissing his wife and but not everything's always correct. And he kind of goes through a couple layers of the dream, including one where Black Widow comes up to him and says the sun's getting real low, which took me straight out of it. Me too. I didn't feel like we needed to, I don't think we need to do Joss Whedon Avengers film references in our comics anymore. Yeah. And as far as I know, that's not, that's not a comic thing. No, I think it's just movies. Yeah. Um, but I really liked the art. The, the first 10 pages or so are Dale Keown, who we haven't really seen do much. He, he did the Hulk a long time ago when Peter David was writing the Hulk. Um, he did a, um, just a lot of those iconic covers. And then he eventually did Pit for Image. Dude, I did not realize that that was a separate artist at the beginning. Um, and now you mentioned it, it's obviously a different one. I really yeah. like the artist in the bulk of this issue, yeah. but when I was reading it, the first couple of pages, I was like, whoa, I don't know if I'm into this book. And then some stuff happens that changes the tone. But actually, I think it was is that Dale Keown art because it looks a lot like late 80s, early 90s Marvel House style. It 100% is. And it's interesting because he does, I mean, what, this is probably a 40-page comic and he does a quarter of it, but he's not not credited as the artist. He's credited as the opening scene artist and Jermaine Peralta did the, the rest of it. I really like the Jermaine Peralta stuff. Uh, it's a little bit exaggerated, like Sam Keith kind of veins, Simon Bisley, little bits of Simon Bisley in there. And it's just like this long chase scene until he meets up with Modoc, like an old man Modoc, which I thought was pretty awesome. So that I think is the, if there's two things I love, it's Modoc and old man depressing future stories what about the dumb aim costumes i love those yeah those have been around forever why are we still doing those dumb so bad i love it yeah (laughs) they are they are kind of kind of fun and charming but i can't see anything guys (laughs) at some point the hulk was locked up in a sort of psychic prison where he thought everything was going to be okay and he's just having a happy life and he becomes aware enough or the power grid breaks down enough that he's able to kind of unpeel through several layers saying like oh no you're actually it's a vision thing or no it's actually like a mysterio thing or something but he comes out of this machine tied up to all these tubes with long hair and a beard and he realizes he's entrapped in this facility 
and he ultimately escapes the facility and it's Modoc is leading it and they're beneath the city because a nuclear dump has caused the world to go to shit which i guess is a different apocalyptic event for the old than in the like old man hawkeye or old man wolverine books but you know similar type of thing but yeah it's i don't know what is what was compelling about it Django? because it was good it was good um I don't know. I mean, it, it's almost the same thing that turned me on to Wolverine early on, which wasn't how badass he was, but how mysterious his situation was. Like, how did he get these powers? How did he get this adamantium skeleton? And this is kind of the same thing where it's like, first of all, what's going on? Like, we, we can tell before he can that there's something wrong with the world that he's in. Right. And it glitches out. And then we can tell that the backup world is also goofy. And when he gets into the real world, it, like it's just it's just an interesting kind of story about how you would restrain and mess with this super powerful being i guess any story where you sort of are starting in a mysterious place but you know that you're taking a good character and he's going to kind of become this maestro evil dictator character by the Mm -hmm. end i guess that's a good premise of like i'm excited to see how we get to there i I guess you know I'm, i'm it's interesting how many bad future stories we were getting in the last like two years and that they do seem to be compelling but like old man hawkeye old man logan this one is that deceased is kind of that like you know all these oh like bad guy not bad stories but right no good good stories but like stories of like you know apocalyptic alternate versions of our own reality where Mm -hmm. terrible things are happening and, and or like depressing things are happening and I wonder what it says about society right now that that's a thing that has been on the forefront of our fictional mind for the last couple of years. Yeah. And I like, it. it's just kind of, I don't know. I mean, right this minute, it seems like a pretty obvious thing to write about, you know, like yeah, right now in, in quarantine, it does a type of apocalypse. And, you know, from, from the perspective, is this, a, is this an apocalypse? Are we doing an apocalypse right now? I don't know. It's the slowest, most boring apocalypse ever, but sure. Why not? <laughs> it seems like it. Um, you know, we, we had, we had some really popular ones with old man Hawkeye, mm-hmm. which I think, I don't think that was supposed to be good. No, I think that that blew like, everyone away. Surprised everyone. Yeah. And, and that kind of sprung out of just kind of Marvel dumping comics to, to make a bunch of comics that uh, tied in with the old man Logan stuff that they had going on, which I'm mm-hmm. sure was a moneymaker, but um, I give it a solid seven, seven and a half. I want to give it a seven and a half and you I'm know, seven and a half too. I wouldn't have expected that from a Hulk spinoff that is just the regular old dumb old Hulk. You know, the like regular. I dug the, I dug the immortal Hulk stuff. Yeah. But this is this is like classic writer, classic artist doing a take on a character that they did in the '90s. Like it, it checks all the boxes for I don't give a shit. And uh, <laughs> despite that, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's bizarre. Um, Listen, I need to get a drink. Get it, um, Jay. You've just made yourself a, a slight beverage. I was just over at your home, uh, hanging out with you and Erica, explaining fantasy football to Erica. I know some of our listeners are in that league with us. Rob Scafidio. Get ready, because Erica's going to kick some asses now. Yeah, she's got Jeff on her team. Well, and to be clear, 
no, because we are still <laughs> competing against each other. Um, but I do have a soft spot for anyone who is uh, boldly and courageously taking on a new endeavor. Speaking of courageous new endeavors, let's talk about Batman 97. Jimmy TIV writing the Joker's courageous new endeavor of taking over Bruce Wayne's corporate life and making... Uh, that's all I got. I can't. No, I, really I haven't really... It was a really good start. Thanks. Is this the, the one that was the first appearance of Clown Killer? No, 96 had the first appearance and he just shows up again in this one. Yeah, the first appearance was like four full body panels and uh, the speculator groups on the internet are arguing about whether that's a cameo or a first appearance. It's adorable. Nice. That is adorable. <laughs> I, oh, I, yeah. Guys, the whole weird DC book release schedule is really, it's hard to, it's getting to, it's getting to me. It's hard to keep track of what books were what week because they come in if there's if they come in when they're supposed to. They come in like four days or five days earlier than the Marvel books. So it always feels like this week's DC books are last week's DC books. And it's it's that's a real privileged comic shop problem to have, but um it's it is tricky. Is frustrating to me outside of the petty, like, well, I liked Tom King's book because Which we did which we did. We liked the Tom King one and I am petty, but it is such a departure from the Joker's character in this. Like, yeah, we've got Joker in underwear, like drinking bottles of champagne and like being like a a slob. Yeah. Like a slob playboy guy. And like, that's not, that's not a cool take on the Joker. No. And, and we have punchline who's, undeniably sexy and also super irritating yeah like i just want her written out on the panel it's easy to say undeniably sexy because she's clearly just kind of created to be that that's a primary part of her character right now it's just yeah. like every shot of her is like let me show you excessive cleavage my legs are 10 miles long and they go all the way up <laughs> but this this is he's still coming down on the drugs that he got on like two ep- issues ago where he's having it's like more intense scarecrow drug basically that punchline has has given him and so he's kind of freaking out and hallucinating while escaping a bunch of jokers as well and i think most interestingly is that harley quinn kind of rescues him and gives him an antidote to those toxins but it ultimately is just going to make him trip balls for a while until he until he passes the substances and she starts having this horrible hallucination of her breaking her own neck, looking like the Joker. And then he sees Alfred at the end. And um, I guess that'll be an interesting scene. I guess he's been talking to Alfred for two issues. Yeah, you're right. Um, What did you think of the scene where he, is it? He he's uh, freaking out about the drug and he says to Alfred in his brain, because Alfred's dead. He says, the toxin is too much. I can't trust my eyes. And he tears his cape and ties a blindfold on. But I don't need yeah. him to fight. A good bat knows how to fight blind. And then he beats the shit out of a bunch of zombies. Yeah. How did I feel about it, Django? Yeah. I thought, that's not great writing. Yeah. Me um, too. The art's gorgeous. Like, we've gotten Jorge Jimenez through this whole arc. And that's amazing. He's an incredible mm-hmm. artist. Um, and I do yeah. like the Batman costume that they're using. It's like a largely black and gray, although I do love the blue. I, action, it just, it, 
was in the shop. I was with him today, and he's like, "Have you been reading this?" And I was like, "I have been reading it." He asked if it was good, and he thought that it was Jimmy T.I.V. taking over what was going to be Tom King's final act. And I was oh, like, "No, gosh. this is not a Tom King story at all. It's it's a it's a it's a good Batman story. This particular Joker arc is." a little long in the tooth. And I think that the, the biggest problem I have is just that it's very different characterization of Joker than we've seen lately at all. And especially with next week being the Batman three Jokers storyline coming in, like it seems right. like maybe trying to mainline a little bit more historically uh, concerted idea of what the Joker is would have been good instead of saying like, well, here's the seventh pedal on this leaf that has a new personality for the Joker. Like it's very, <laughs> okay, I guess he, likes to look like a he's a super hot guy drinking champagne and walking around with women on his arms at a hotel pool with gold chains and a big bathrobe like it feels like it weird. feels like i've been invited to a 50 dollar a plate banquet and when the meal comes out it's just snickers bars and whipped cream like <laughs> i like those things these colors are amazing the art is great I like Batman. I like the Joker and one serving is enough. Thank you very much. The rest of like, this is just, I also paid $50 for this dinner and, yeah. and I would, I, I'm excited to eat the Snickers and the whipped cream, but I want something in there as a foundation. 10 issues in, right? Yeah. Yeah. 10 or 11 12, issues in. 85. Or no, 85 was the last one of Tom King. So yeah. Yeah. We're, we're $50 into this book. We're, fucking a year a into this in a monthly comic book yeah isn't it crazy that this would be like the 12th issue of this run and long halloween is i guess 13 issues and like wow look yeah. at what you're getting as a difference between those two things think about our listeners they're like oh good they're talking about batman again those two guys love jimmy tiv's batman run well listen i'll give jimmy tiv's batman number 97 uh a six i I'm there with you. I want to give it a 10. Like I, I want to really like this run and I just care a little bit less every time. It's like a six, 6.5 incredible art, you know, but yeah. also like, not like Tim sale art. It's just like really flashy, gorgeous. It's good. It's, it's Snickers art, but also, man, I'm just trying to think of like, how does this really gorgeous modern day art compare to like Tim Sale's long Halloween art? And why do those two things feel fundamentally different? Hey, Django, I know you just tried to bail out a Nightwing 73. Oh, you motherfucker. But I'm going to make you talk about it. What's going on with that book? 75 is apparently when Dick <clears throat> gets his personality back. So this is tying into Joker War. What's happening? Oh, Are we... They've told us that he's going to get his, he's going to get the dick back. They told us actually, unfortunately, like a month ago. Jesus. Uh, so Barbara's been kidnapped by the Joker, oh, put right. in a cage. And Dick, sorry, Rick was hypnotized by the Joker using a magical crystal to think that he's, he was like raised by the Joker and that his parents were super abusive shitheads. Mm. And he's got like this US agent kind of costume that yeah. just look derm. So he's got like sort of um, a tantric Rick cage on. He's got a he's, tantric Rick he's cage. He's stuck on. in a tantric Rick cage. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like the Jokers made him think that the Joker and Robin were a thing for a long time. Right. And that Batman was the bad guy. And it's got some like 
okay cover cover apes to show that that relationship that's been invented but you i don't know if we talked about it on the podcast but you read batgirl like the last issue of that and you said it was one of the best comics like best batgirl comics you'd read in a long time it's it was maybe the best part of the joker war that i've read so far well that's a Um, that's a bar i guess well you know it's 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 pretty good it was a good book. Um, yeah, I, I I wish I had read that one because it does. It sounds like, I mean, I'm, I'm excited that there's something very good coming out of this event. Yeah, yeah, and this one just has like Dick and Barbara forced to fight each other, and uh, I don't know. It's just it's just not super. I, I didn't even need a critical evaluation of it. I just wanted some like what's going on with the the Night, Nightwing uh, Joker War story leading us up to him coming back. It's kind of the, the classic um, side story in a big Batman crossover where if if you're a completist, which I am, you twelve will boxes, read it ladies and gentlemen, and enjoy it uh, enough. You know, it's um, it's extra, and they'll cover what when Dick and Barbara finally show up in an issue of Batman, probably in number 100 after Dick gets his memory back and Barbara escapes the cage fight. The Rick they'll, cage. They'll cover the whole thing in uh, three panels of discussion with Tim Drake or something. One of those uncomfortable, crimped looking Rick cages. Are, are you talking about the thing like you, you crimp it over your Rick? And... <laughs> you, 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 put, you take your Rick and you close it inside the cage. And huh? if you start to get excited at all, it sucks. Wow, you say it sucks. Like, like you know. No, no, no. I've just read a lot. I've just read a lot of Batman comics. Just a lot of fanfic. <laughs> just a lot of fan. A lot of fanfic. fanfic. <laughs> okay, now Django. Yeah, Thank buddy. you for talking about Nightwing. Now we have to talk about decorum because this week he... was so small. <laughs> this week was such a small Rick Cage of a week that I read issues three and four of Decorum and I had not read issue three in that classic way of a thing that I like and a book that I want to appreciate fully. I set it aside and I was like, when I have the time and energy, I'm going to get to that. What if I don't like it? Yeah. And dangerously, those things that I know I'll probably like get pushed to the side and never read. So we didn't talk about Decorum number three the week that it came out. So if, if you can sort of plumb the depths of your own gorgeous cesspool of a brain Django and trying to remember decorum three it's Wayne's world yeah yeah yeah. you read decorum four this week and sure did we read decorum three i read it today you read it probably a month ago almost you know unrelated issues entirely but Mm -hmm. um issue one followed sort of the courier and the very polite assassin then issue two went primarily into the crazy meta omniverse and then issue three was again the assassin and the courier mm-hmm. being taken to a school for women assassins. And then this issue was another like almost indecipherable omniverse issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what you think about this book. Well, I don't like shitting on things that you like, but I fucking hated this issue. Did you fucking hate it? I thought issue three was pretty good. This issue, the only... <laughs> thing that i appreciated about this issue was a brief fantasy that i had where you would have a story that is happening on such a high level like this issue this issue is happening this is like gods hatching eggs and trying to build universes and looking at charts that are in not even in languages because they're so indecipherable that stuff really bothered me but 
I like the idea of telling a fairly grounded sci-fi story in issue one and issue three are happening concurrently with this super out there crazy bonkers shit. And you could end the normal grounded sci-fi story in the middle of the story with the world exploding because of this higher up meta story. And we would just kind of have to accept it. Like the, the, the gods dealing with the egg and doing whatever, whatever they're trying to do. You could put that in the world of Blade Runner and you could stop Blade Runner halfway through the movie and say, and then the world ended. Oh man. That was the only thing I liked about this was that it made me have that little exploration into unfair storytelling. Cause I think that's what this issue is. I, and I don't like shitting on the things that you like, but I'll bet you like this issue a lot more than I did. I didn't love this issue. Actually. I, I liked it from the perspective of some cool triangles in there, buddy. Um, I, and there is some gorgeous art pages, but I don't really understand what they mean. This is a really interesting book because uh, Tom Huddleston is a really out there Mike. artist. Mike Huddleston, thank you. Tom Hiddleston is a uh, Loki. Loki. Uh, Mike Huddleston. It's out there and he changes styles and it's very ethereal. And I think a lot of times he's drawing and representing things out of a feeling rather than trying to represent them as they are. Like mm -hmm. it's more of a feeling than a place. I thought that exact same thing about yeah. the garden. Like it, I think he draws things as feelings a lot of the time, like shapes and colors and it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of surface level sense. I'm reading this still and I'm not disliking it because I do think at some point this several tiered story, it will make sense why it's being told the way that it does. Mm -hmm. And I think my, my, my main interest is in what is Hickman doing here more than the actual story. And yeah. so I don't think that that means that this work stands super well on its own. I think that it means that like, I really like this writer and this is pretty unusual for that writer. So I think that something is going to happen at some point in here that's going to click in a way that I will think something very intelligent has happened, mm -hmm. but that has not happened yet. And as such, I don't, I didn't love this issue. I did like issue three, but I thought that I liked this omniverse story stuff of issue two and four. I thought that I liked that more but this issue I didn't like as much as issue three, which was, you know, the school and the girl and sort of meeting those. But I just, yeah. for the life of me, cannot understand the connection between those stories right now. I don't know if there is one or if there needs to be one, you know? I would love it if there was never a connection. You would like that? Or would you feel like that's unfair storytelling? Well, it's unfair, but it's, it's more inventive than trying to shoehorn these two things together, which I think is probably what's going to happen at some point. Yeah, you know, like the, the assassins are going to have to go after the egg or whatever it is. I, I think it's interesting that you're able to read this issue and not be a little bit more mad at it. Um, and I, I know that part of it is that this kind of um, metaphorical stuff speaks more to you than it does to me. And you have the same trust in Hickman that I have in Tom Waits. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll forgive a lot of questionable musical decisions that Tom Waits makes. 
where I wouldn't expect somebody who is not steeped in that guy to, to care to work to get to it, you know, and that's, that's kind of where I put you and Jonathan Hickman is the same spot that I am with Tom Waits. I am not mad at this issue. I think the thing that's the most confusing for me are the really abrupt, entirely shift in style that happens with the art. That's Seemingly, what I, I like. <laughs> and it, it doesn't bother me, but like, I do think that if I were to ignore issues one and three mm-hmm. and have only read two in this one, if the art style wasn't kind of jumping all over the place, I would be able to sort of point a map of like, well, this happened and then this happened and the egg did this and there's an imperfection and it fell out and they're trying to restart. Like, I like that. And I do think the art is really interesting from the way that it shifts, but I can't quite place why that's happening outside of just like, oh, I kind of want to draw it this way now. Like, I know that there's probably like six different art styles plus graphic design pages in here. Yeah. Like that last that last page is just straight Feral Dalrymple. Yep, and it's gorgeous, and a yeah. lot of it is absolutely gorgeous. You're right; that looks exactly like Feral Dalrymple stuff. Um, I am holding out faith that this series, which I believe is just eight issues, will end in a way because I don't think that he shoehorns things really. I think the way that he writes is more often like the kernel for this story will be in issue six. Somehow, a relationship between these two things will become clear. Right. And that's what, that's what he will have thought of before anything was like, how would it be cool to connect these two things? Oh, shit. Okay, then I'll tell the I story and then with... make that happen two-thirds of the way through it. So, it, and it might be a shoehorn thing. Maybe I'm just, I have like a weird amount of faith. No, I, I think him, you're but... right. I think that he's, I think he's way more organized. And that's why, like, your appreciation for his writing and my trust in him being competent are the things that are keeping me reading this. If we had picked this first two issues up and somehow made it to issue four, and it was somebody that we'd never heard of doing an image book. I, I, my guess is we both would have bailed before we got to this point. I absolutely think. And um, I don't really know how to feel about that because I think that probably that unknown writer deserves the same chance that Hickman does. At least Williams. We love the work, man. LW. LW. It's, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that um, I am reading this and not hating it because I do believe it will be something else mm-hmm. or it will make sense or become something. But that is more my appreciation for the author than it is my appreciation for this singular work. You know, and, even like and for me, it's fingers crossed. Yeah. Like, please pull out of this thing that I don't like very much. Yeah. Yeah. So even if like part of me would be like, oh, I'd give it like a, an eight. But even that score is kind of predicated on the idea that it will make sense at the end. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think that that's a fair way of trying to then singularly grade this piece of art. Because in reality, it's probably, you know, more like a six to me. I would give it a four just on the art because I, the, the story, the story made me mad and also ashamed that I was mad. I, I, I don't think you're far off from feeling that way. I think that it is a really bizarre story. And I think that it is jumping in a way that is so unnatural that it makes it, I think it's an experiment and I appreciate somebody doing experiments. And what's weird about like an issue three is like, we've got these like gorgeous art pages and like the, the polite assassin who Mm -hmm. takes the girl to this assassin school with this gorgeous watercolor pages. And then we like 
jump one page to they're in a building at this place they've gone to and the style is now like gym ma food yeah like crazy like high contrast photocopied kind of stuff like sketchy scribbly you know and it's just like why like why maybe he's just having fun maybe and exactly and if, you know but because ma food does that too yeah they'll have super realistic painterly pages right before right after like something that's almost indecipherably drawn on a piece of toilet paper at a bar you know but i think that it takes me out of it because it makes me think there's a motive for doing it and it Mm -hmm. has to be related to the story and then i start thinking about why it's happening and if it's just happening as a stylistic Mm -hmm. like it makes me ask why it's happening right and that takes me out of it and that's not bad so i mean yeah so you give it a four i would give it a a six and i would give issue number three a seven. I yeah, I like that. I like, it, I like number three quite a bit. What's next? What's next? Is it Dead Day? Is it? Is I it think Cardinal, Dead Day, but I'm Cardinal curious. Butthole no, or whatever no, you it's, read. It's Dead Day. I. It's because why not? But by Ryan Parrott and Evgeny Borg. You're getting better at that, bud. Just take a big running start at it. I can't. E v g e n i y Evgeny. Yeah. Bornyakov. It's pronounced B-O-R-N-Y-A-K-O-V. Evni Bornyakov. All right. I love that. Dead Day by Ryan Parrott and Evni Bornyakov. Good. From Aftershock. Um, oh, and colored by Wancho. With oh. An exclamation mark. One of our favorites. Uh, this continues the story that I'm pretty sure we talked about on a podcast. Uh, we did. Four, maybe five weeks ago um, when it came out four maybe five weeks ago yeah yeah that sounds right four maybe it's, five it's about one day a year where dead people rise from the oh, grave oh this one yeah yeah and there are some like i don't know it's, it's almost like the purge where some people are stopping the dead from meeting their friends and family and some people are facilitating them this one has an interesting scene where uh, right outside of the graveyard there's this government agent surrounded by like 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 a smiling government lady surrounded by two dudes with big machine guns at the edge of the cemetery in order to help the people who have just dug their way out of their graves find their loved ones while they're oh. alive because they're only alive for a day or two that's an interesting uh, career choice yeah and and like other than that we're just following this family that the kid one of the kids in the family is trying to go to this party that's got something to do with like dead day worship and the mother has gone out to meet maybe a boyfriend maybe a an ex-husband maybe a brother um and he's on some sort of mission of vengeance and we haven't seen his face because he's wearing a motorcycle helmet the whole time um you know, Aftershock makes good comics. It's pretty rare that I read an, like if I give Aftershock my time, I, I never feel cheated out of, out of my time with the comic. Uh, even if it's a, this is like a pretty, it's, it's all at the same time. It's kind of a bizarre setup and kind of a ho-hum setup. But so you're book. saying in the infinite craft service table of life, when you have the opportunity to look at the infinite table of comics that you could read, you would rather read Dead Day number two than Decorum number four. I think I would. Yeah. I think I would. And that's not to say I would rather read Dead Day volume one versus Decorum volume one. Right. Um, right. Issue by issue. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's it's like uh, it's like an exciting TV show. I, I could see 
getting the same feeling watching this as you get from watching any single episode of any TV Cowboy show Bebop. with Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, the you know? Kiefer. Like, it, it, it fills your Kiefer Sutherland hole. The Kiefer. And you can quote me on that, Aftershock. Kiefer. Uh, what did, it what fills you... my Kiefer Sutherland hole. Django, the perfectly acceptable podcast. I give it a 6.5. It filled my Kiefer hole. I give it a seven, man. Nice. It's yeah. It um, yeah. It's it's fun. Okay, so all of those exact same things that Django just said about Cardinal Dagon number one from Behemoth Comics, written by Massimo Rossi, Giuseppe. Sorry, I burped. Art by Giuseppe Costabile and colors by Renato Stevanato. Well, bunch of names good at that buddy. A bunch of names I've never heard before, even down to the publisher of the comic, and who published it? behemoth okay new new guys on the on the block i guess and it's got that feel it's got like a real nice matte cover like it's thick matte mm -hmm. cover but the art and paper makes me think it's like print on demand because it looks like a digital production as opposed smell to it like, for me yeah i I was while i was reading it, it smells a little bit like um silly putty if you remember what silly place okay like. oh do i remember what silly <laughs> putty smells about like what it tastes like come on buddy but it's in that way when you look at it you can kind of see pixelization or something it looks like it's mm -hmm. printed digitally versus whatever however other comics are made how are yeah. comics made well comics are normally made by putting down layers of ink but if it's digitally printed then it would be kind of printed all at once. Right, and that's what this looks like. So like the, the blacks aren't, aren't super sharp. The um, art in it is way better than I would think for just a random comic from a random company. It's got like look, bits of like um, Nick Patera in it. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. liney, fun, but explosive and over the top. Anyway, it is about... It, it's a thing that I love. It's a religious conspiracy story with just like, what if between World War One and World War Two, or, or around World War Two, like the, the Antichrist had come to Earth and then was like hiding. And then we've got like the four black priests, like the black popes, and like they're the you know the, the in charge of like opening the doors to hell. And and that all sounds more serious than it is because you know like the head black pope gets assassinated by knights templar with machine guns who break into his <laughs> airplane and blow the whole airplane up and it's horrifically graphic and and the next person in battlestar galactica fashion the only person who can perform this ritual to have the end time start within the two days they need is this dude who is kind of a fallen out of satanism antichrist stuff and he's just been running a one of those revival tent things with squirt guns filled with quote-unquote holy water that he's spraying on women that aren't allowed to wear bras and he's just this depraved shitty guy and then these horrible skeleton popes show up and they're like dude you gotta come with us and he's like i don't really want to and they're like well the world's gonna end if you don't so you got to and now he's just like fulfilling this horrible world end of the world role of a celebrity pope that He's got the instruction manual to how to end the end the world, like the the, the five seven <laughs> instructions for the end times, and it's got like penises Dick's drawn on it, and uh, you know it says Doomsday Starter Pack, how to the destruction of the Jerusalem Temple, the last day will not come until the gospel is preached to all nations. One, two, three, and four, writers of the apocalypse. Uh, five, kill the martyrs. Six, earthquake and black sun. Seven, the end, guys. It's just this weird 
it seems like a Django book more than anything. It's like, it's got Garth Ennis tones in it and it's got kind of aftershock tones in it. And it's got, does it have Hitler in it? Uh, it seems like it would have a Hitler in it, right? It, yeah. Like it, it feels like you're, you're a Hitler short from uh, home run. Well, actually Django, if I were to go to page number one, well, it's already happened. The antichrist being born in the thirties, more or less. And no, it wasn't Hitler. If the son of Lucifer found himself in Hitler's place, he probably would be having us all for dinner right now with a nice steak and a Merlot to wash down. So okay. while it's not Hitler, page one, panel three is talking about Hitler. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good bad guy. And, I meant to bring uh, it to your house when I, when we talked about fantasy football so that you could read it before the podcast. Cause I, yeah. I, I was thinking about you while reading it. Cause it's just a, it was a sort of out of the normal Jeff book and it was, seemed like a Django book but the art and writing was better than I thought and it was from a small publisher that um, happens a lot for yeah me. like I, I take chances on really dumb stuff and I'm rewarded more often than I would expect to be more often than I deserve to be I was just talking to Ashton about that this very day about how just like yeah when you feel like you're certain about the things that you like and don't like you never really are allowed to learn that you like different things if you don't mm -hmm. ever allow yourself to take chances on dumb things you never like fantasy football i would have thought i hated football and fantasy I football football and it's and my fantasy football exactly and it's my favorite exactly jango but it's my favorite <laughs> shit in the world and i would never have thought that so i give cardinal dagon ah we don't say that word jeff sorry i give the c word dagon um a 6.5 i think that i think it's well done and i think jango would like it all right it looks a little bit like which means Hitman will elmer me. would like it because i know will elmer has sort of learned that he's finally gone to the dark side of comics and he likes Django <laughs> books well, i have some uh unfortunate for will overlap <laughs> uh it looked from what i've seen on the art it looks a lot like uh it would fit in with like a side story of hitman by garth ennis and john mccray it it looks like issues of leviathan from john layman and nick patera that oh. never finished from image comics schwing schwing I'm just trying to get us into uh, like a Wayne's World kind of groove. Dude, when you said sucks at the very earlier, when I think we were talking about the dick cages or the rick cages or something, you said it sucks. I wanted to say it's sucking my will to live because like the <laughs> the suck cut from in Wayne's World, and then you started doing your Wayne's World quotes. So I'm I'm with you there, and I should have actually said the reference. Well, you know, you can you can just edit all that back. Like just oh, just take okay. it and and I'll drop it in there. Yeah, nobody will know. Jing, um, you've got an issue before I do my final issue. Yeah, I read Wonder Woman Dead Earth number four by Daniel Warren Johnson with Mike Spiker, Spicer. Um, and this, this issue just kind of wraps up the story. The biggest part of this series for me has been the art and some of the imagery. Mm -hmm. I don't care a ton about the story. Um, sorry, Daniel, but... Uh, the art has been amazing. This has a little bit of backstory that kind of tells us what happened right before Batman sat down on that couch and drank himself to death, as we saw at the very beginning of the first issue. Yeah. Uh, and that, that little snippet of history was, it wasn't cool, it wasn't cute, but it was gratifying, I guess, just to mm -hmm. see, see how things got there. Um, this book has just had amazing monsters and great characters throughout and um it's a it's a fun interpretation of you know the far far apocalyptic future of the dc universe one of the many far far apocalyptic futures of the dc universe we're allowed to have now and I, you know what 
when I think about that, I really like the, the fact that we're able to have those things and that we're not holding it to a canon because it, it lets the creators do whatever they want with whatever characters they want. Okay. So, yeah, I think that to go back to that original question of like, why is it happening? I, I think that we had a, a time when comics were doing a lot of Elseworlds things. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of shuttered the doors to Elseworlds. But that was really the only way that they could be telling stories that were outside of continuity. And not like beholden to 80 years of bullshit. Right. And I think that now we had Elseworlds and then they kind of stopped doing Elseworlds and, and there was sort of strict canon, continuity stuff. And I think within the last like five years, there's just been an increase of just like, no, we want more non-continuity stories. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think it's a fixation with apocalyptic stuff or the, the times that we're living in, but I do think that it is just, I think that we sort of had a venue for non-continuity stories and then that kind of closed and we asked mm-hmm. them and they're like, yeah, the branding for Elseworlds just kind of died. And Marvel didn't yeah. really have one except for the Ultimate Universe. Right. But then that stopped. Right. And, and that was like five or six years ago. So now we've been getting these non-continuity stories that are far future because ultimates and elseworlds have been shut down so there's a you know there was a dearth of it is dearth an absence of that's yeah yeah good one um and now we've been getting a boon of them oh a bevy indeed dearth and boon are the words i always get confused so a dnb i django and a boron um i wonder woman dead earth i want to read those last two issues i haven't read three and four i think the art is incredible and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's incredible not in the same way that like Batman 97 was where like that story is kind of lukewarm enough that the art doesn't sell reading it to me, even though the art is really great. Whereas Wonder Woman Dead Earth is so unique and so gorgeous in the way that it looks. I think it could be a much less interesting story than it is and still be totally worth reading. I think the, the general story here could be told in two or two and a half of these issues. Um, But I'm happy to hang out in that world and look at it for the whole four. And it's, yeah, if, if you're an art appreciator at all, buy the hardcover when it comes out. Last week, X-Force number 11 came out. And on the cover, it shows Colossus beating the shit out of Omega Red. Wolverine number four came out this week. And it shows Omega Red with his tentacles holding Wolverine underneath the water. I read X-Force number 11 this week because I was a little behind. That issue is really good. X-Force, definitely top of the pops for what is a good Dawn of X story coming out. No inclusion, mention, or reference to Omega Red anywhere, even kind of in the entire comic book. Did they and mention Derek? Because I think his real name is Derek. Is it? I don't know. I just got to stay sharp for Dave. <laughs> it, it, I just like, I finished it and I told Sam, I was like, do you see that scary looking guy on the cover? That he's awesome not, tentacly motherfucker. He's one of my favorite villains of all time. He's not in the issue at all, even kind of. And I just like... I know that I'm used to that with comics and everything, but I, it's it surprised me to have such an overt cover about that character and and that's not, the main cover. Yeah, that's a that's fucking Weird. false advertising. It that's is bullshit. And false advertising with comics happens a lot, but that not to that extreme extent. Wolverine number four, however, did have Omega Red in it, and this is written by Benjamin Percy, and the art is by Victor Bogdanovic. And oh, I, I like that guy. Yeah, he's the one who looks like in my, for me, a Greg Capullo that I like a lot more. It's like a... And it was a, one of the Kuberts before, right? It was Andy Kubert? 
Yeah. So the that's first, a great follow-up. It is. And the very first issue was half Kubert, half Bogdanovic, and it started two different stories. And then it, the next couple issues were the first story. And now they're starting the second half of that story with the, the other artist. And mm -hmm. it's really well done. The art is fantastic. There are just panels in here that look exactly like Capullo, but are not Capullo, which is astounding. I really, really like this book. This arc has some, is tying into Dracula, which is a present character in the Marvel universe. And especially in the X-Men universe, there was like Curse of the Mutants was a story that was coming out around the time I started reading comics again as an adult. And that was when like Jubilee became a vampire. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a, that's a weird thing, but ultimately uh, Omega Red is I think working for him or possessed by him because he was one of the people that got banished into that hole on Krakoa that crazy prison hole and has gotten out um art's gorgeous story is compelling because i think it's been a while since a really good wolverine story was coming out jason aaron mm -hmm. wrote a solo wolverine story that was great that i read and that was like eight years ago i think he's a character that is one of everyone's favorite x-men but you mostly just get him in x-men books and I think that he worked well, like in that era that you were reading Wolverine, where... Like issue 30 through 50 of the 90s series. I think that he is a guy who is such a loner that he can just be doing his own thing and doesn't need to be tied into the, a lot of team dynamics and stuff. And this book is doing that. Like it's, it's centered on Krakoa, but it doesn't revolve around having a bunch of other mutants there. And I, I think that I just dig loner Wolverine. And, and I, I am only aware kind of through this book how much he is generally just put into team books and hasn't really been given a chance to do very good solo books. He's had some, but they, you know, like the time where he had the gun, you know, right. or at the old store. And like, it's, it's just been a minute since we've had like a really high caliber one. I think, I think this is a very high caliber one. I really like Benjamin Percy and he writes wolverine with a lot of humanity and that cop the dude character from the first three mm -hmm. issues also had a lot of humanity and i i really like that those two have kind of like a bromance and he planted like a krakoa seed in that dude's backyard so he can get to it yeah and wolverine's just been out doing stuff like that so in this one he like he's in like the canadian rockies or you know one of those cold snowy mountain places but he has planted a small Krakoan gate in a cave in the mountains somewhere that is next to a bar that's just in like redneck Canada <laughs> so that he can leave Krakoa just to go pretend to be a human and drink in a, like a scummy Just to bar. go visit the movie set of one of the Wolverine movies. Yeah. And yeah. yeah I, and it's just, like, it's great little bits like that. And there's been fun stuff. And then the art, like I keep saying is really, really good. And then, Omega Red showing up. A lot of promise. Dig a lot. Wolverine is another one of the high, high caliber X-Men books. Actually also written by the dude who wrote X-Force. And I don't think mm -hmm. it's a huge coincidence that those are two of the best on of X books because he's writing them. And he's the dude that wrote the uh, Green Arrow book from DC that you kept dipping into and surprised, like yeah. surprisingly enjoying. And that AWA book, Year Zero. Oh, nice. What do you give it? I give that Wolverine, I would give a an eight. 
and I would give X Force a seven point five. Dang! All right, I gotta I gotta pick up Wolverine at least. You'll like it. It's just like it's the most Django I think of all the Dawn of X books. Oh, <sighs> hey everybody! Emergency, <laughs> emergency edition to the podcast review. I have an additional book to talk about this week that I didn't talk about because I don't physically have it here. Wah, wah, wah. Hey everyone, Jeff wants to talk about Thor number six. Hmm. I, I worth mentioning we were shorted almost all of our copies of Thor number six this week we that's a pretty normal thing to get shortages not usually in that quantity and on that high profile of a book I emailed the king of Marvel about it he did and then we were assured that they were going to be reordered uh, and like actually sent back to us I looked into that even today to confirm it but um, I did read a copy of it from one of the subscribers who I know doesn't really care if their books get read and so Johnny Cates Nick Klein I think Nick Klein is still on the book. I, mm-hmm. I apologize. I don't have the book with me. So the credits are nothing. But anyway, it's the final issue of volume one. And spoilers, everyone. Spoilers, spoilers. Django, do you want to hear about it? Are you reading this book? Do they finally circumcise Thor in this? <laughs> if it were only that easy. Do you know how strong an Asgardian foreskin is? I mean, pretty it's strong. Tough. It's tough. It's like really dry jerky, but not dry. Um, no, it is not that thing that I will cut out of the podcast. Um, so like the, the black winter had showed up and Galactus apparently used to be the herald for it. Glasses is all scared of it. And Thor just like goes super Saiyan and kills Galactus, which, and the whole thing is told through a flashback. It starts and he's just like drunk in his house a month later, like, like a month later. And Silver Surfer Black shows up and he's like, dude, what did you see? What happened? Also, I like the decoration out there. And you find out at the end, after you find out that he killed Galactus, that he took his helmet and he made it like the entrance to the Rainbow Bridge. So nice. like the Rainbow Bridge goes into the mouth of Galactus's helmet now, which That's is rad. very cool. That's a classic Donny Cates thing. But um, <clears throat> he kills Galactus and then he like summons all of his power to like, you know, kill the black winter thing, whatever that really was that we didn't really ever learn about. And then we're told that, and it's just like a little black snowflake in his hand. And he's like, this isn't over. Also, do you want to know how you're going to die? And Thor is like, well, yeah, I want to know how I'm going to die. And spoilers, you turn the page and it's like a double page spread of like every Marvel character is like a zombie. And in front of that is Thanos with like a robotic arm like an armored <laughs> arm and in his other hand he's holding mjolnir and it has all of the infinity stones in it like one on each surface of the hammer um so it's like super evil you know cyborg thanos I, it's, not, it's like one of the 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 black orders armor's arm and then uh a, an infinity hammer so it's it's pretty pretty big stuff so, so that, i think it takes three or four months for a comic to come out like they they think of it they write it and they send it off to get it drawn right i'll bet that uh just after the pandemic started you could hear donny kate's pants fill up and start stretching with this enormous erection that he had when he thought of the idea of mjolnir with the infinity, infinity stones. stones in it he's yeah. such a he's Burr. such a clown i love it um he just he's just like having fun and i love it's weird to try and figure out what is the difference between like a donny cates marvel book and a scott like a modern day scott snyder dc book because on some level it almost is like they're similar but one of them's got too much baby laxative in their cocaine 
Yeah, exactly. You're just <laughs> pooping out your story too quick, Scott. No, uh, I'm a huge Scott Snyder fan. I once, I once put my finger in his ear while I was walking by as a, com- a convention. No, I didn't. Do that. that would be that would be so inappropriate. Don't do that, especially in COVID world, man. Don't put your finger in other people's ears. Come on. Go to a convention right now. That's true. Um, I would, I would like to read Thor. Man, I just I like Donny Cates. I just never trust him. And I never get on these rides early enough or stick with it long enough to get to the, the meat of the puzzle. You well, know? frankly, like, when you have decided to put faith in him, you've read his, like, my least favorite of his books, like Death of the Inhumans. You started Venom, yep. which had a big chunk of not very good issues at the beginning. Um, I read the shit out of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Whatever. He's, he's great. I love him. Um, so I would give that issue an eight because the art was great. And the, the story is just fun. You just never know what you're going to get with a Donny Cates book because he will go further than most people. I didn't yeah. like that he killed Galactus and kind of threw him off as like a, he like Galactus kind of just goes out whining, which I can't imagine is the end of Galactus. But uh, that didn't feel necessarily in line with the 50 or 60 years of Galactus comics we've had. So was Black Winter just a little tiny black snowflake all along? It was like a shadow version of Thor, but it could take any form. Um, and, but, but when Silver Surfer Black took care of him, it was just a little snowflake? I don't think that it was the same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think okay. that whatever caused Silver Surfer Black to turn whatever iridescent oil black he is. Uh, uh, symbiote. Django, I have... I have an email for us, Oh! but I'm not going to check the Facebook queue. I hope that we got any questions at all. And I'm always oh. worried that we won't have had any, but I like when you read them. But so while you do that, I'm going to read Andrew Carlson's email question. Oh, Potts. Yeah. Friend of the show. He could also be Potts, Prince of the show. I think, I think that we're running out of three Potts's. letter names for people. And I think we should limit it to one each. Okay. Okay. He's Potts, but he's also like a prince. He is. Okay. Prince, prince Potts. Hello, and a quick appreciation note for all you guys. That includes Django, Jeffo, Romo, Justo, Bredo, Saro, Colo, and Asho. You guys are amazing. I can't even say it enough. We all just got Django suffixes on our names. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> anyways, writing in real quick about Empire this week. Firstly, X-Men. Love these issues. I know Jeff didn't totally love the Zombo stuff, but it was good fun and quite the needed break from the typical standard Marvel event experience. However... I was minorly, to quote Roman, miffed, that's a total Roman word, that the wooden staff that Wanda grabbed was from the actual Yggdrasil and not one she just borrowed stole from Doctor Strange. I say this only because in very recent continuity, beginning in Cates' run, Stephen Strange gets a fragment of the root of Yggdrasil and uses it. It stands to reason he'd still have it. Why did Wanda and Stephen both go several times to get another staff? That just made no sense to me. But... That's just being a weird super fan of continuity. Also, Hickman's writing of Doctor Strange was amazing as per usual, although I wish he could tone down the arrogance just a tad. He's grown a lot in recent years, become softer again. I think, so I read X-Men, Empire X-Men number four this week and didn't think it was terrible actually, but I don't think that Hickman actually scripted this issue. Oh wait, no, he totally did script this issue. My bad, Andrew, you're great. Uh, (laughs) Second, they, they had all the other writers do issues two and three. Secondly, I'm enjoying the main series more than you guys are, for sure. I know you aren't ragging on those who are enjoying it, just stating that I have been enjoying it. I am sure Marvel is just doing it for publicity, but I am quite satisfied that Wiccan and Hulkin will finally be getting married. 
They are most, they are almost certainly the longest running canon gay couple in Marvel, nearly 20 years now. So it's more than well-deserved. Question time. What is your favorite LGBT character from any series and why? Great question. Um, I'm sorry about trying to correct you about Hickman's writing that issue and then uh, being schooled by how deep you know everything that's going on. Favorite LGBT question? Yeah, Constantine? He's that, that's easy for me. As far as why, um, I guess probably mostly because it doesn't feel manufactured. It just feels like that's that guy. Like mm-hmm. he's bisexual. It, it's never really, they, they've never played it for shock. They've never really advertised it. It's just kind of part of who he is. Uh, and I, I appreciate that approach to any kind of diversity in comics. And when I say diversity in comics, I mean not a straight white dude superhero, which is what we started with and what we still have a whole lot of. So, um, you know, that Constantine's sort of fluidity has never been really remarked upon until fairly recently. And even then it was just like part of part of what was going on. He was hitting on a dude in a bar. Um, but like when he turned into a vampire and got all sexy with guys and girls and whoever, it it didn't feel it didn't feel like anybody was trying to make a point. It was just like this is this is a thing that's going on. And I, I think that normalizing LGBTQ characters is as important as uh, telling us that you're doing that. Um, I actually have to reread that question because it was it with within Marvel continuity or mainstream continuity or any comic thing. Um, oh, no, I hope from it's any not series and why. Um, oh, thank God. A couple come to mind for me. I like Renee Montoya a lot, and oh, yeah. and like Batwoman and that relationship as it started in '52. And I think that Renee Montoya I've read more of as a character than Batwoman, but mm-hmm. I like. I liked her and just how strong and badass she was and how that was a secondary feature of her. Um, and it was more her strong willedness that, that was the character point. I also, I, I love Kieran Gillen and Jamie Kelvey's young Avengers run. And I think like most of that cast was, you know, like kind of on the bisexual spectrum, but particularly like Hulkling and Wiccan, um, particularly America and Loki though, America Chavez. I really like that character. And I really like Loki's character. And again, that it was just sort of, it wasn't the primary aspect of who they were, but like Loki, um, and particularly just like the final two issues of that series, they, they wrapped that stuff up or had a conversation about it in a way that I, I really, really liked. And, um, the, uh, and then the other one that I just really dug, I just mentioned like two characters where it was like, I, I felt like it wasn't the forefront of the thing, but the image two-part series, White Trees, I oh, yeah. love just like how super gay that was. Um, and I liked that one for just being like overtly way into, um, there, there, were, there wasn't any attempt to make it not the forefront of that character's thing, but it's because they were new characters that didn't really need to have that jug at all. So it was a primary right. defining part of that character. And I really liked how courageous it was to do that in a mainstream comic by mainstream creators. So I think in terms of like a book that just really impressed me with putting that in there in a courageous way, White Trees by Chip Zdarsky was really, really great. And Chris Anka. Um, but there was, you know, there was a big trans reveal in um, Saga also which i thought was was cool because it was 
it just was like it was part of it, it was kind of played for shock value but then totally kind of accepted and normalized after that and i thought that that was an interesting um plot point that they had in there i'm trying to think of like marvel books and like Marvel, it seems to be a little bit more like on the nose when there's really pronounced characters. Do you have some Facebook questions for us? Thank you very much, Andrew. You're beautiful and I love you. And you sent us a, an addendum email that was mostly centered for behind the scenes questions. So thank you. Anyone can email us questions like Andrew did to uh, info at thecomicsplace.com and just put somewhere in the, you know, in the subject line, Papcast question. You can send it to Jeff at the Comics Place if you need, uh, if you don't want anyone else to possibly see it. We'll find it and probably remember to read it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got a question here. Yeah, please, Django. Uh, Lance Baker wants to know, when are we going to see Squirrel Girl again? Oh, that's a great question. That's not my department, but uh, Jeff should know off the top of his head. I bet we'll get a Squirrel Girl solo series in about nine to 12 months. I bet like, I think that about a year off between the really successful Ryan North run that was like very definitively his run and, mm-hmm. and Erica Henderson, although the artist changed. I, I bet that, you know, probably about a year off. I think we've already hit that mark, but because of COVID, I think everything slowed down. But I, I would say, I think between some point between now and a year from now, a Squirrel Girl will be, book will be coming up because it was, I don't think that they canceled that because of low sales. I think they canceled it because they were decided to do some other stuff and it was a really popular character and she'll definitely show up in some team books if not. And this is, this is Django talking now. Oh. Will Guri Hero draw it or will Guri Hero draw it? I hope Guri Hero, Guri Hero draws it. That's a really good call. Um, I wonder if they did any art in that book originally. Oh, I wouldn't I be know. terribly surprised. Yeah. Uh, will Elmer wants to know who Love him. Who would win in a fight? Captain Underpants or Dogman? That poor guy. He's got kids. He's got kids. He's reading Captain Underpants and Dogman. Um, now I we read know Dogman, but I read a lot of Captain Underpants, and I think Dogman would probably win because Do- Captain Underpants is like a brainwashed principal who hears a sound and puts a costume on and just tralalas out, and I don't think. I just think Dogman's got a little bit more agency in his superhero persona. I don't. Think I learned. Like, I learned a little bit about what Dogman is. Okay, the can other we talk day. about it as an adult comic book podcast? It's a cop and a dog, who I think they they were in some sort of accident and they were sewn together, and now it's a dog who's a cop. I don't know That's if all. you're right. Is that That's right? It, it's yeah. A dog and a cop get sewn together. Yeah, like like parts of the dog and parts of the cop, and they make one one whole person. And now the dog is a cop. Uh, we've got one text message from Dino Chapman. I think it's Shapman. Shapino. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dino Chapino wants to know what. Are you guys' thoughts on the Batman trailer? Do you like Patterson's Pattinson's portrayal instead of the Batman? I think they should call it. What do you think he thinks? The Patman. Oh God, Dino, you just got figlied. <laughs> uh, he says they should call it Gotham at Twilight. Oh, that's good. Also pretty good. Also pretty good. I thought Not, yeah, it, it is no Batman though. 
Uh, so yeah, that's worth mentioning. DC fandom, an online news thing happened uh, this weekend, and it's basically it, like their uh, their comic con comic con announcements in on the internet and they stretch it out to two weekends there's another weekend coming oh thank god so the big ones were that uh gotham knights a video game is coming out that looks a little bit mm-hmm. like the arkham city stuff but batman's dead so you play the batman family it looks very good i like those arkham city games actually i really want to play those again does anyone listening have a playstation copy of arkham city can i borrow it it is can anyone hear me just right now me. i'm jeff i'm the only one who can hear you and i don't even have a nintendo okay no, I just watched you put a Lego Nintendo. Thing I got together. a Lego Nintendo. Um, and the, but the big thing is that they released the first kind of trailer of the Robert Pattinson Batman. Um, it's a Wonder Woman trailer came out that showed Kirsten Dun- or Wigs' um, transformation of Cheetah. But the Pattinson Batman thing, because we'd already gotten Wonder Woman trailers, I think that the biggest bit of news is that that Pattinson trailer that has the Nirvana song in it. What'd you think of that? What'd you think of that trailer? It's dark. Um, it, the trailer to me felt like somebody else made a trailer for a Christopher Nolan Batman, which I'm going to put in the pro column. Like it, the tonally, it looked and felt like it could be Christopher Nolan. Like uh, if somebody falls, they're going to skin their knee, and you don't get that from all superhero movies. Um, on the downside, I think Robert Pattinson makes maybe the worst bruce wayne the entire world has ever seen um yeah it'll be interesting to see how that pans out because when his face like i was not like bummed about the pattinson reveal but like in the trailer when you see his face at times you're just like oh that's kind of hard to swallow as a bruce wayne yeah and i i try to stay really not judgy before i see one of these movies because and i, I can give you a recent example of why it's because the first Suicide Squad trailer looked fucking rad. It sure did. And then the next one looked really bad. And then the movie came out and it was really bad. Do you remember when Killer Croc crawled with his butt up in the air down the stairway into the water? No, bud, I don't. Um, Andrew does. He's got it in the database. I, yeah, I, you know, I'll go see it for sure. But um, I just haven't had a, a good DC movie really in a long time so i like man of steel yeah. i like joker um maybe i'm forgetting a different one that came out but um yeah it's I a weird thing so. i it just it's like the fifth batman in 10 years and like different actor and i just don't i don't know if i can do it i don't know if i care i love batman as a comic book character and um that trailer there are parts of it that look really good it looks it's just it does it looks like we're trying to make a really brutal one now you know, like, yeah, I was I was turned off by Batman holding the dude and punching him like seven times, and then dropping him and kneeling down and punching him some more. Yeah, and then saying, "I am vengeance." Yeah, um, I don't need Batman to be vengeance. I need him to be Batman. Batman. Yeah. Um, so related, Sarah Evans wants to know reactions to the DC fandom reveals and announcements. I gotta say, I'm excited for the HBO Max TV show that is going to be like if this batman is year two the tv show is going to be year one and it's going to focus on batman's initial foray into being batman and crooked cops yeah like primarily crooked cops is what i had heard and that sounds yeah pretty good so like it it sounds like maybe 
Gotham Central sort of Batman is a paperwork hassle yeah. more than he's a main character. And I like that a lot. Yeah, what other what other reveals were there? There the was a Suicide saw? Squad announcement. Yeah, they just announced the cast for it all. And but but the characters. Right. Uh Bloodsport. Do you remember Bloodsport from Superman number four in the nineteen eighties? No, but the coolest character that I thought was is Peacemaker is gonna be in there. And I just like oh, that yeah. costume a lot. And it was in that Pax Americana multiversity issue that I love. Yeah, Ratcatcher is going to be in there. Good Ratcatcher. We've I actually every time I've seen a DC movie, I thought like, where is Ratcatcher? Where's Ratcatcher? Yeah, uh, Polka Dot from Detective Number Three Hundred, I believe. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of high, high, high profile characters, bro. Yeah, um, no one wants to hear two comic shop owners like shit on DC news, but yeah, it was it's it was primarily um, it, they did talk about the the next Batman run that's going to be happening. Um, and I guess they had sort of kind of announced some of that stuff already, mm-hmm. but John Ridley is going to be writing that who he had done the screenplay for 12 years, a slave. And the art is going to be done by Nick Darrington, who is an artist we love. So that's the, the Lucius Fox Batman story that they were sort of have been talking about is going to happen for the last like nine months. And that's going to be a, five issue story is that right it's gonna be a mini of some capacity but i'm excited to read that i'm also happy it's a mini and not like they're not gonna be shoehorning a new batman and then having a batman run and then have to end with it going back to bruce or whatever like Mm -hmm. i'm I'm glad that it gets to stand alone as its own thing and not have to shift continuity to exist so yeah that'll be an interesting run i mean four issues you can't really go wrong with four issues so um excited for that i think those are all the big announcements that we got so far unless i'm just blanking i haven't watched that second wonder woman trailer but the first wonder woman 84 trailer is so good yeah that one that one's pretty exciting i think they also announced something about um oh they're bringing back the milestone oh yeah static shock yeah static shock is digital only though all right well let's not talk about it because it's killing our comic store no it's not yeah uh it's a weird choice to to lead with that um, because the static shock is the selling point for that and that's universe yeah I, in the last year i've had a couple people ask for static shock comics can you believe that for the last six months we haven't been open i believe it every fucking day yeah me too it's a bummer yeah that's it well i did ask. oh no no ava baker who's your favorite south park character kenny Duh. that's a cop out all right butters whoever that is <laughs> whoever butters is um, oh right you don't like south park very much i don't uh jesus versus brian boitano was the last time i liked south park and that was before the tv show even started because i was into it way before it got cool bro that's really cool um my favorite character is probably cartman because he's Cop so out. evil is it um i also like tweak when he had you know moved in to replace kenny i think butters is also a very good character and i like the poo that was predictable wait another one just trickled in it it didn't trickle in it hit like a ton of beef oh ashton nope will elmer wants to know what parts of scott snyder's batman run would you consider must reads volume one volume two volume three Mm -hmm. stop did Endgame start at volume six? I think so. So volume one and two are the Court of the Owls. Volume three is that death of the family. 
mm-hmm. which is the Joker coming back. And that was pretty good, even though it didn't end great. And then the end game storyline, which if it ultimately was a Joker story, right? I think so. And it, it included, like, it was a lead up to the Batman robot, right? Yeah, but I don't, but I, yeah. And I didn't love the Bat robot stuff. And I didn't really mm-hmm. like the zero year stuff either. But one, two, and three, and then wherever Endgame was, was really good. And, and I would, that... I would say the Detective Comics. He did, he oh, did a big well, run on Detective Comics called yeah. uh, the, Dark, the Black Mirror. Yeah, I sorry, I I was only thinking about his New Fifty Two stuff, but um, Black Mirror is probably the best of any of it. And I haven't read it, but I think that if you like the Scott Snyder Batman stuff, you would do well to read the Gates of Gotham. Django, anything else we need to clean up or do here? I'm really excited for uh, next week when we've got you know uh, three Jokers. Like that's three a Jokers. huge, huge release that's coming out. We've been waiting for that for years at this point. Mm-hmm. And I am as excited for that as anybody could possibly be for a comic book, I think. I think Ryan's more excited. Oh, we're going to have one of those fights now, huh? Oh, are we going to fight? I'm sorry. I didn't even mean to do that. Come on, buddy. Whoa, bud. We got a Daredevil annual next week. Um, X-Men. We got Fantastic Four Antithesis, so I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. Dude, is there a Flash coming out? No. Ugh. Oh my God. There's a lot of copies of Gideon Falls number four coming into our store in the next couple of months. In the next month. Nice. So get your Gideon Falls number fours, everybody. That's good because we owe a bunch of people those right now. Um, Jeff, I don't think we've talked this about, about this on the podcast. Is this a birthday? Is this a birthday thing? Do you Is have it a your birthday, birthday for me? Tomorrow's Is it your my birthday? birthday. Tomorrow. What? Is this a birthday thing? No. Okay. Happy birthday. It is a birthday thing. My birthday's November. Oh, motherfucker. I didn't think it was your birthday. I'm glad that I just freaked you out, though. I saw that.